And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome back to the latest edition of the Audible presented by Trader Joe's. I'm Bruce Feldman, joined as always by my colleague from the Athletic, Stuart Mandel. We are taping Wednesday, uh, a few days away from the Heisman, also a few days on the back end away from the CFP's uh, momentous announcement of who the final four teams were and who didn't make it. Um, now that you've had some times to digest it, any else, anything else come to mind? I know we both were pretty animated about the, the decision the other day. How do you feel about it now? Well, when we recorded it the other day, I think I was still kind of in shock, right? I haven't had a lot of time to process it at that point. I certainly have now. And I've read all the takes. And um, I think that if you want to say they did what they were supposed to do, they were told to pick the four best teams. We There's even a clause in there about considering injuries and guys that might not be available for the postseason. Um, then Why not that's, pick Georgia then, though? What's that? Why not pick Georgia if you're doing the four best teams? Well, what I was about to say is I, I think they apply what – what I've come to think is they applied a definition of best to Florida State that they didn't apply to anybody else in this poll and anybody else that I could recall that was a college football playoff contender. And that's what makes this so jarring. It's like if this is the way it's supposed to be done, then you weren't doing your job for the last nine years. And you didn't do your job elsewhere in this uh, in these rankings. Um, I would also say that it kind of it, it made me rethink a little bit. Just, you know, I covered in 2012 all the negotiations that led to the playoff as it is and, and the formation of the committee, which is really a compromise between Jim Delaney, who thought it should be only conference champions and Mike Sly, who thought it should be wide open, like a, a, a top 25 poll. And so the, the compromise was this language that you see now about we're going to pick the four best teams and here's the criteria. The thing is, all the criteria that they use, winning your conference, top 25 wins, strength is good. Those aren't ways to determine best. If you are determining best or who, you know, there's the, the quote, um, and this is, you know, tells you how unusual the situation is. I've never seen a sitting selection committee member talk to the media about their deliberations, um, you know, even anonymously to the media. And they've said, at the end of the day, we just didn't think they could win the national championship with their current team. Well, um, if that's how you want to do it, if you want to say the way we were going to determine who the four best teams are is to say who we think have the best chance, then you wouldn't use who cares if you won your conference or played the 56th ranked schedule. If you want to do that, you should use um, Bill Connolly's rankings. You should use, you know, yards per game, offense, yards per game, all the things that Vegas uses, efficiency rankings, all the things Vegas uses to, to set the lines of the games. 
So we're to work this is, the Pac-12 title game. Exactly. You would have, you would say, oh, that was nice that uh, Washington won. But if we did it again, we would still favor Oregon. Um, and yeah, you're right. Like if you want to just do this nebulous, who do we think are the four best teams right now? I don't know how you wouldn't have Georgia as one of them. They were the number one team. They were the, but you know, unanimous number one team in the country. And they lost by three points to an 11 and one team. And now they're sixth. So I just, it's, it's, there's no consistency in the way they handled the situation. Last thing I would say is the, so the language, there is language in there. Um, you know, I don't want to deny that, that there's language in there about considering injuries. Um, that language applies to the whole top 25 rankings, right? So if you were deciding between 15th and 18th, you would also apply that, that logic. And I don't know that when they wrote that in 2012, that they would have anticipated a situation like this. It's impossible for me to, you know, remove myself from, uh, or focus entirely on the, the metrics or the, this and that isn't, I'll never forget the, the footage of, um, Florida State when they found out they weren't going. Uh, Jordan Travis in particular, who looks like he just found out somebody died. Like, it, you know, maybe I'm not supposed to do this, but in my mind, if I were on that committee, I would have a trouble um, knowing that my decision was going to cause that. Um, you know, if I had done that to Alabama, they'd be disappointed too, but you would be able to have to say, well, you, you did lose a game, right? Yeah, that's the uh, one of the things that like kind of and again, there's there's nothing is there true parallels, but I remember seeing this is on ESPN and ESPN's obviously I feel like done a lot of spinning in this since Sunday. Um, but one of the comments was about, well, Ohio State, when they had Cardell Jones, they whipped Wisconsin in the Big Ten title game 59 to nothing and made a statement. That's not a that's actually not an apples to apples comparison because one, Ohio State had a loss. They lost by two t- touchdowns at home early in the year. And also when you looked at their schedule, they had one win over a ranked team the whole year before the Big Ten title game. You know, that's that was not Florida State situation. Florida State had it had many more wins over ranked teams. Uh, and they had also um, they hadn't def- lost, you know, it, to me, it's just not the same thing. I think that, and all, and again, like, as I said in my mailbag today, if we think this team, which team has the best chance to win the national title, you wouldn't have included Cincinnati. You wouldn't have included, you wouldn't have included TCU last year. There were always other teams out there that if you were like gun to my head, who has a better chance of winning the national championship TCU or 10 and two Alabama, you were probably going to say 10 and two Alabama, but they didn't earn it. TCU did Florida state earned the right to prove it one way. Maybe they would have lost by 40. I don't know, but they, they earned the right, especially by winning the game. It's not like they lost their quarterback and then lost. They won the games without him. Uh, and as you've noted, like the third, here's what, here's what I think they should have done in hindsight. If the if the issue is well they don't have their star quarterback and therefore it's going to affect how they play in the postseason, you could have dropped them after the Florida game. You could have said because that was actually the quarterback, by the way, who's who, like yeah. to judge them. Like Heather Dinnett did this story where she's quoting somebody and they're talking about a quarterback who's probably not going to be the starter for the yeah. wouldn't have been the starter for the playoff game because it was come. It wasn't like a like he was lost for the season. I don't want to minimize a concussion. But that's a month from now. Remember, uh, 
after the Ohio State Michigan game, I said I was surprised they dropped Ohio State as far as they did um, from second to sixth. Because I think it, you know, I had said, well, you put them fourth, you put them fifth. It's not like teams behind them couldn't pass them. In hindsight, why don't they do, they could have put Florida State fourth and dropped Florida State to fifth. And that would be your acknowledgement that we don't think they're the same team. And then they'd have a chance to earn their way back in the ACC championship. Uh, it would at least have like sent a little bit of a warning that we're willing to do this. We're willing to leave an undefeated team out. I think, you know, when you see that video, it's just like, it's so jarring. They thought, hey, we just won the ACC championship. We're going to the playoff. No, you're not. Um, I did a story on Tuesday about all the ripple effects that that decision had on the bowls below them and how the ACC bowls kind of had to go back to the drawing board. And there was a lot of controversy about how that process played out from there and how it led to Notre Dame and the Sun Bowl. And I thought it was interesting that, um, that you know, so I, after I published that, some people were saying, how could they not see that coming? Like, it was absolutely a possibility it was going to happen. Uh, I think they, you know, Mark Neville, the Holiday Bowl director, said, you know, this was unfortunate for college football. I just think a lot of people with a stake in the sport thought they can't, they're not going to do that. There's no way they can do that to those kids. But they did. And, you know, one effect of that is I think we're 72 hours removed from this now and people are still talking about it. You know, I feel I've been I've lived through a lot of BCS and CFP controversies where everybody's mad for about 24 hours. And then you kind of move on to, well, but these are going to be great games. And that, but this that isn't, but this isn't anything like that, where it's like it's an undefeated team from a major conference. And it's not like they ducked anybody. They they scheduled two SEC teams and those two teams are are usually very good and lsu was you know at the end of the day was still a top 15 team with the heisman trophy win probably the heisman trophy and by the way they were beating that team 45 to 17 with a minute left in the game 45 to 17 but the committee will tell you of course well that's not the team that that they have now and they're not wrong like you have a different quarterback but but i would just say like don't try to predict these things i I mean this is Somebody, who knows what would happen if Tate Rodemaker had a month of practice to work with the ones and. Uh, yeah. Well, apparently the committee knows the committee knows that Florida State would have played awful. Right. Now you're going to get a Florida State team that's probably, you know, a bunch of guys will opt out and people will see them play Georgia and they'll probably lose by 40. And people are going to see and that, you know, they're going to draw that line, but it's it's the wrong thing. I saw somebody had made the comment, you know, I'm going to football. Trevor Lawrence got injured and I think the Jaguars are now nine and three or we're nine and three going into the game or something, eight and three. And they're like, okay, well now the Jaguars are going to be disqualified from the playoff. (laughs) Yep. Uh, Well, look, that's, that's the difference, right? The NFL, there's no committee. You just get to a certain record. And if that record's good enough, you go and look, that's how it's going to be next year. uh, At least with the the conference champs, like there'll still be subjectivity to the wild to the at-larges. But in this system next year, Florida State wins the ACC. They could win the game three to two if they're one of the four highest ranked champs, which they will be. Um, actually, one of the five highest ranked champs. They're going to the playoff. You know, for me, like, I don't want to say I'm indifferent on like some of the changes that go on with the sport. But after this, I feel like we need, you know, the expansion, not just doesn't make, you know, financial sense. But it also now makes if this is the way you're having the sport, and this was like always a possibility, five power, five power, five conferences for four spots. It was always I don't say it was inevitable that it was happen, but this was like 
the worst case scenario that played out. Now, I don't know if it would have been, you know, let's say Georgia won that game as expected. You know, does it make it easier to leave Texas out then? Oh, I absolutely think that would have happened. In fact, we got a mailbag question about that. But, I mean, let's not kid ourselves. Texas did not move up to number three because they looked so good against nine and three Oklahoma State. Texas moved up to three because Alabama won and was going to go to the playoff. And the committee felt like we can't have Alabama and not Texas. If Georgia wins and you have four and exactly four undefeated teams, those are the four teams, right? I mean, I don't think they would have felt the need to to shoehorn in Texas, even though you could make a perfectly good argument that Texas is better than Florida State as it's presently constituted. So, yeah, I mean, look, the, the, as I've said many times over the last two years, they didn't do a playoff expansion to solve the national championship because, frankly, every year until this year, I never felt like one of the four best teams was left out. There might have been some controversy over it, but I didn't. No, let me rephrase that. I didn't think the the number one, the best team in the country had been left out. Uh, yeah, you're right. Like this particular scenario, which only really happened twice, the first year and the last year, were the only years where you had five deserving power five champs. Um, this scenario is now add that to the to the list of reasons why um, it's probably best that we're going to move to a system that 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 removes some of the um, just making up the rules as you go along part. Even within these own rankings, and we can move on to the next topic. There was another undefeated versus not undefeated situation. Um, Liberty with uh, for the last you know for that group of five New Year's Six birth and SMU. And SMU actually won their championship game with their backup quarterback. Um, they finished 11 and two. They, their two losses were to Oklahoma and TCU. And they beat a top 25 team in the last week of the season. And the committee and then Liberty, you know, hats off to Jamie Chadwell on an undefeated season, but they played the 133rd ranked schedule out of 133, no power five wins. And what did the committee do? They rewarded undefeated, and Boot Corrigan said, "You know they can only play the teams on their schedule, so just you know you couldn't you couldn't have handled those two situations any more opposite." Let's move to the transfer portal, which is uh, just spinning like crazy. Um, I mean, we've had some really big names go in there since our last podcast. Dylan Gabriel is you know a star quarterback for Oklahoma. I think uh, you know. Um, Kyle McCord, the, the starting quarterback of Ohio State, going in the portal after an 11-1 season definitely shocked some people. But, um, you know, you've been talking to coaches about some of these guys. Let's start with the QBs. Who are the most sought after, do you think, QBs in the portal as of this minute? Well, I, Stu, I think they fit into two, largely two categories. One is the proven guys. And those are the guys who are starters, usually whether they're multi-year starters, they may have one year back. or And then the other bucket is the guys who are hyped recruits, who are maybe considered talented, but almost entirely unproven. And those are the ones where I think you know fans are going to get excited over them, but there's going to be a little buyer beware element of that because they've never done it. And I think that's the part where you don't really know what you're getting. And so sometimes you'll see... Like the ones who are right now the most coveted and the ones who are going to bring in the most dollar value 
uh, Dylan Gabriel, who obviously has played a ton of football. You know, initially there was some talk about that he might follow Jeff Levy again to Mississippi State. But, you know, we were reported yesterday that he's set to visit Oregon this weekend. And, you know, look, he'd be a really good fit in that, that offense. He's got a really quick release. He's really accurate. And he makes good decisions. And, you know, they'll sling it around. And he'll probably jump. If he does go there, probably jump in there and have a big impact. Um, the other name is Cam Ward, who's also played a ton of football from Washington State. And, you know, we've heard Ohio State is very interested in him among other schools. I mean, there's there's a there's some overlap with some of these schools. But, you know, at one point Cam Ward was was, you know, from what we heard and Max Olson had talked to some people close to Cam who said, you know, he's probably leaning to going into the NFL. But if the money is right, you know, I think he would he would stay in college, especially knowing how deep this draft is for quarterbacks. So those guys, I think, are on the top end. Then you get into like Riley Leonard, who had been leaning to Notre Dame for a long time, it sounds like. And he's he's definitely got, got an ability. He's a really uh, good athlete. He's a big kid, didn't play behind a very good offensive line. I think accuracy is maybe a little bit of a question mark with him. And so I know some people have talked about him as a, going into the year as a potential first round pick. Some of the coaches we talked to didn't really see that because they were like, okay, there's going to be some throws here and there that give you a little bit of pause about him. Will Howard from K-State played a lot of football, really, you know, bright guy, um, you know, knows his offense. I think he's st steady and solid. He's another name that's come up. Then you get, you get into a bunch of other guys who've, who've had some good moments or do some good things, but it's like maybe they had one good year and one not so good year, whether it's like Will Howard from Mississippi State who was really good in Leach's office and offense and then struggled this past year when they changed, or Tyler Van Dyke who's had three offensive coordinators at Miami in three the past three years. I mean, there's that group. You had Kyle McCord who had a solid first season, but, you know, I think, you know, he – Again, I think there he's a he's a good quarterback. I don't think he's a dynamic athlete. And I think there was, you know, some of the coaches we talked to were like, yeah, I, the limited mobility, I think, is different than what they've had there the last few years where you had C.J. Stroud and obviously Justin Fields. And I think that maybe the expectations were so high with him. I think people were expecting, you know, even more, especially given the receiving core. He was and especially the skill talent he was around. All right. I'm going to go back a second. You know, you're very close to this stuff and you said a couple things kind of in passing that if it were two years ago, people would have said, hey, excuse me, who's going for the, the most money? We got an email uh, from, uh, you know, we're going to do some mailbag emails or questions here in a little bit. But one of the ones we got, Scott Saxton, loyal listener in Windsor, Ontario. Stu and Bruce, this is a quote from Matt Rule at his press conference. Make no mistake that a good quarterback in the portal costs a million to a million five to two million dollars right now. Just so we're on the same page, right? Let's make sure we all understand what's happening. Is this true? I have never heard a head coach be so open about it. It literally sounds like pay for play. Forget the collectives. Have I been that naive? Uh, it is. Um, that's where, really where we're at. We've been at this place for a long time. I just think coaches now have been much more blunt about it as we've gotten further into it. And by a long time, you mean since 2022? Yes. You know, like I do remember having this conversation, 
you know, with our editor. And I remember exactly where I was. I was at the Elite 11 on the eve of NIL coming in. And the conversation was like, wait, this, they can't be saying this or whatever. I was like, no, they think this is exactly how it's going to go. And what's happened is they went from, you know, the sketchy agents on the trying to navigate the recruiting part of this for high school kids to now all of a sudden people realizing there's a lot of money for the actual proven commodities who are college players. And it's like, well, you sure you want to stay there? Maybe if you go someplace else, we can shop you around for a better deal. And that is what's going on. And so one of the head coaches I talked to in the Mac uh, yesterday said, you know, we have the two best quarterbacks in our league are out and pretty much every, every starter is, is going to be in the portal, you know, who's worthwhile. And then now whether they all leave is maybe another story, but they're going to test the waters. And I guess on one hand, you'd say, why wouldn't you? You know, like if you're making a business decision and that's what all these guys are doing. I remember so, so it was one of the coaches who's been, I would say, who, who was acknowledging this stuff publicly before others was Lane Kiffin. Do you remember when he said this was after Bryce Young's Heisman season? He said, if I were Bryce Young, I'd go in the portal, like at least find out who else who out there might give me a better deal. And everybody was like, what are you talking about? He won the Heisman. He's at Alabama. But I'm sure somebody called Bryce Young to see if he might be interested. Uh, I'm well, sure they better have had more money. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm I think that much like in in pro sports. Like not only are you out there looking for guys in the portal, uh, you have to re-sign your own guys like you you know it's not a given that i mean kyle McCord, who would have thought kyle mccord is the starting quarterback at one of the best programs in the country uh that he would just up and leave right dylan gabriel uh well dylan great... gabriel's situation is a little different because the guy behind him jackson arnold everyone there thinks is super talented and he was starting to play and i think it was like hey i don't think both of them are staying yeah, no, that, that's that's true. And that's the dynamic. And who knows? I mean, Ohio State, for all we know, would have gone out and shot for somebody better than than, you know, uh, the guy they had. So kind of everybody's got to look out for their own best. One, interest, one, one story, and I feel like I might have told this on here before, but I definitely remember there was a defensive coach I know who was working in the SEC who said there were like numerous times where one of his players would show, come up to him like in, at, you know, early in the morning and be like, hey, so-and-so is offering me this. What can you guys do? And this guy got so kind of frustrated by this situation. He coaches in the NFL now. When that leads to the question of like, okay, as, as people who've listened, know, I, I, I don't have any problem with guys making NIL money. If, 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 if somebody is willing to offer, we'll use the Kyle McCord example, a million dollars, he should get that million dollars. What's screwed up is the, the, the way this has played out where it's not the schools and the coaches who can, who get to decide uh, who gets that more, not so much who decide, but like the, the, the process of how they get that money. It's these collectives because the schools were so uh, opposed to NIL right up till the minute it went into effect that they decide they made a rule that the schools themselves can't be involved. So what happened? These third party agencies, if you want to call them, popped up. And now if Ryan Day wanted to give Kyle McCord a million dollars, he can't just pull that out of his pocket. 
he's got to put the guy in touch with he's got to put that player in touch with the guy at the collective who cuts the checks it's so stupid and uh hopefully people saw the headline yesterday that charlie baker the president of the nca sent a letter to kind of start the conversation about something that never no we never ever ever thought the nca would actually get to and that's schools directly paying the athletes um putting the idea out there that there should be a a, a you know a division even within division one of the richest school richest programs that have the money to pay their athletes and so he goes on to like a list of like what are the objectives of this and it's not just about nil but it flat out says in there um that in this proposal he's making the schools would be able to take over nil basically and that would make a lot more sense to me if there was a guy on the Ohio State football staff whose job was basically to manage the salary cap and decide who gets what rather than leaving it in the hands of, you know, um, uh, some some outside fundraising arm with a clever name that says, well, we're not actually affiliated with the school, but not, hint, hint, we actually are. So that's where we are. And to the point you said about the coach, like, I assume that coach, all he could do, right, is say, hey, call this guy. And at that point, that school's collective was not very, um, was not wired in or was just not buttoned up on a lot of things. And so I think it became very problematic. And that's a challenge for your for a lot of coaches. And I don't know. There's a lot of stuff going on here because you also, like, I think what's going to happen, you have a lot of – it's, it's going to be interesting to see because that second bucket of quarterbacks, it's like, okay, some of these guys were big recruits. How do they fit? What, you know, how good are you? Because you're going to be rolling the dice, right? Like, so you have, you know, if you're one of the, one of the t more talented guys in that second bucket is Aiden Childs, who we, I think we've talked about before. I remember being very impressed by him when I was up at Oregon, when he, Oregon State, when he just got up there. Um, he hadn't played much, right? And he's very raw. And I know a lot of the coaches thought, you know, who I talked to thought he was very raw. Um, and, you know, does he go with Jonathan Smith, who's the one guy who really does know him? Um, you know, you have Dante Moore, who is a big recruit, played a decent amount at UCLA this past year, really struggled. Um, he's been dealing with some, you know, family issues that are pretty you know, trying for him off the field. So I'm sure that that made it harder and he was farther away from his family. And so I, I think we just had a big one today, a big commit, Brock Vandegrift, who's very talented, was at Georgia, was the backup. Now he's going to Kentucky. I mean, he's similar skill set a little bit to Will Levis, you know, who did very well, at least the year he was with Liam Cohen, not so well the next year. But you just don't know what you're getting, you know, like these guys were big recruits and there's a lot of, you know, physical tools, but it's just like, okay, it's a little different than, you know, then you have these smaller school guys. When I say smaller school, I mean like Grayson McCall is a three-time Sunbelt player of the year award winner. I mean, he's a terrific competitor. I don't think he's, you know, any NFL scouts going to be looking at him going, oh, he's, you know, those numbers are what they are, but you know, we'll see if he's a good fit at NC State. I mean, you know, that's where he's supposed to visit. I'm sure there's more schools who are trying to get in on him. But it's like, how do those guys who are, you know, the Daquan Finns from Toledo, you know, who are uh, Talon Green, you know, these guys are really gifted athletes. And 
how do they fit in another offense? You know, I think so. All those things are projections. And then I think what you get also, you know, just from talking to a lot of coaches are like, who are the coveted guys who are not the, just the quarterbacks? And there's a bunch of names, you know, Deion Burks from Purdue. There's an offensive uh, tackle from New Mexico, J.C. Davis. There's, you know, Trey Moore from UTSA. And there's guys that like, oh, most people aren't talking about these guys in the course of a year. But now all of a sudden they're very coveted. You know, um, the one that stands out to me is Rocket Sanders at Arkansas. Yeah, uh, really good, good, really good, good player. player. He's been hurt sometimes, but like that's a guy that can come into almost any program and be their starting running back. I don't want to make it seem though like, I mean, at the end of the day, like these collectives don't have an unlimited amount of money. So obviously, some schools are better funded than others, and so I think a lot of these guys, like if Dylan Gabriel wants to transfer somewhere. He'll get a big check. Cam Ward will get a big check. But some of these guys, like when you were saying, like some of the Mac quarterbacks, some of these guys are going to go chasing an NIL pot of gold that just isn't there. Uh, they're going to be, you know, they're going to find out that their value is not necessarily what, and in particular, right, they probably got agents telling them, you can get a half million dollars. You can get this. You can get that. And then they're going to go in the portal and they're going to find out, uh, no, that sorry, you're not quite at the level where we would, be willing to pay that kind of money yeah but yeah that's where we are like the don't assume that every single guy is going to go to whoever is the highest bidder um you know all the other factors that you would normally consider when you're transferring like you got to go somewhere where you think you're going to get developed and we have a chance to win and but what i would say is there is a baseline expectation that you will get some sort of nil deal you can't uh, you know, in this, when collectives are really starting to take off, you saw a lot of high and mighty quotes from coaches of like, well, well we would never do that, right? We're never going to use this as a recruiting tool. Um, we're, we're all for kids, you know, we're all for our players, uh, you know, making NIL money, you know, for endorsements or whatnot, but you know, we would never get our hands dirty like that. You don't have a choice now. I mean, if you want to get a transfer, a, a decent transfer, a big name transfer, you got to offer them something. Now, maybe they'll say, yeah, you're offering me less than the other school, but I really want to come here, so I'll take that. She can't offer nothing. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream Direct TV without a satellite dish. Call 1 800 Direct TV. Terms or restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets, and industry leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub an official partner of The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. 
Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Let's get to the mailbag. As always, you can send your questions to theaudiblepod at gmail.com. Obviously, we got a lot of selection committee. Stu, before we do, just one uh, one note that just like happened while we're taping is uh, Craig Bowl, longtime coach at Wyoming, Won a bunch of national titles at FCS. He announced his retirement this morning. Mm-hmm. Well, coaching the bowl game in the Arizona Bowl, but um, you know, did a really, really good job for a long time at a bunch of places. So, congrats to him on it. Yeah, on his career. It's so rare now that a coach gets to go out on his own terms like that. He had a good run at Wyoming, and he's ready to to retire, and that's great for him. Um, I don't. I don't know what kind of coach Wyoming can get. Uh, obviously, this continues the. I feel like there's been just a staggering amount of openings in the Mountain West. Like so, so many of those jobs: San Diego State, Boise State, New Mexico just hired Bronco Mendenhall. That was quite mm-hmm. notable. Um, for whatever reason, that conference is uh, the Yeah, uh, this this con- that conference is is turning over coaches like crazy. Suddenly, Barry Odom's like the old guy on the block, and he just got hired last year. All right, Stu, this question from Mike Bates. And hey, Stu and Bruce, love the pod. Thank you, Mike. Uh, my question concerns the Fiesta Bowl. I'm a big Ducks fan and was looking forward to seeing them play a top 10 opponent. Instead, we get number 23, Liberty, who, while undefeated, hasn't played a ranked opponent all year. How did this happen, Stu? Not just not a ranked opponent. Like, not a, not really. A, I think the best opponent they played was New Mexico State. Well... Here's the thing. Uh, in this crazy sport, those same selection committee members who like Kelly Whiteside, who we all know, you know, you and I both know from when she covered college football for USA Today. Uh, there's a guy on there who's like the CEO of an energy company. Somehow these people then become bowl executives. They get to pick the pairings for those other New Year's Six games. And yeah, this one, this one puzzled me. I mean, the we knew that the group of five team would go to either the Fiesta or the Peach Bowl um, because the Cotton Bowl had Tulane last year. And I naively, I guess, thought that if it was Liberty, who's in Virginia, that they would go to the Peach Bowl and play either um, Ole Miss, Missouri, maybe Penn State. Um, but no, they decided to ship them all the way across the country to Glendale and play an Oregon team that's ranked higher than those other teams. Uh, I assume, what I've heard, the Fiesta Bowl has not had a group of five teams since 2018. Uh, the other others have had one much more recently. So they probably said, you know, it's their turn. Um, but man, like, good luck to our friends at the Fiesta Bowl with the ticket sales for that one. Because if Oregon was playing Penn State, for instance... I think Oregon fans would turn out in droves, especially since, according to Dan Lanning, Bo Nix is actually going to play in the game. Uh, but they're not going to show up for Liberty. No offense to Liberty, but like, 
that's not going to get you on a plane. Uh, so I think, and then I'm sure Liberty, some Liberty fans will go, but how many? So I just think they like said Fiesta Bowl, you're going to take one for the team. Uh, and, and that's what they ended up with. Uh, right. From t Tim in Atlanta, what would it take to eliminate the selection committee and change the rankings process? People had issues with the BCS too, but taking a couple hundred writers and coaches' opinions plus computers is far more fair and more consistent from year to year. 13 people with incredibly strong conflicts of interest and no order of criteria they need to stick to is about the worst possible system you could have. I guess it's better than letting Greg Sankey pick the field by himself, but not by much. Bruce, <laughs> you've been a very big selection committee critic. If I gave you the choice tomorrow for the CFP for next year to go back to the old BCS rankings with the computers and the Harris poll, would you do it? No, no. I. The more we've gotten to it, I would rather have the, a committee with for a 12-team playoff. What I think what I object to the most, Stu, is the... Just give me, just say what say who who is there. I don't want to hear some spinning or some like I just feel like you know they're trying to rationalize a bunch of stuff where if you say we just want the four the four best game the two best games because it's TV ratings are are critical because we're paying a fortune for it and that's going to trump everything or almost everything then just say it. I don't I don't like what I feel like is a lot of lip service that goes against it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, you don't like the when the chairman comes on the on and and by the way, what you know, the ironic thing about this year is that Boo Corrigan is the chairman. He's the one that has to go out to the public and explain why they left out Florida State. And because he's from the ACC, Boo Corrigan wasn't even allowed to vote on Florida State. He might not even have been in the room when they were discussing them. Uh, and so that that, that kind of goes to what you're saying, right? Like, what's the point of that interview? He wasn't necessarily even in the room. I believe in the selection committee model because in, in another lifetime ago, Bruce, you remember I was a NCAA tournament bracketologist. Uh, I did that for three years at Fox and the first year at the athletic. And I went to the, I remember the first year I hadn't paid any attention to bracketology in years, right? I wasn't scouring Joe Lenardi's rankings every week because I wasn't covering college basketball. And I went to the mock seminar that they have, and I was just kind of blown away by how, well run it is um there's no like uh there's no uh uncertainty over what the criteria are to the point where i did very well in bracketology especially the first year i did it and i'm gonna be fully honest i didn't watch much college basketball like i wasn't watching it every single night from whatever time the games were on you almost didn't need to watch the games because if you knew the process and the criteria they use, you could do a really good job of just like top 50 wins, non-conference strength of schedule, road record. Like you knew exactly what mattered. And then, the you know, there would always be a couple controversies. But for the most part, the seedings followed that logic. And the football committee is not set up like that at all. The football committee is just given this, this completely open-ended objective of just pick the four best teams. So it, I would keep the committee, but I would make two big changes. One, enough with the guessing who's going to win the games. Like, just look at the resumes and decide who has the best resumes. And the other thing is, I don't wait, like wait, the comp. Wait. Yeah. When you say enough with who, like, 
Say that again, because I, I think I know what you're saying, but I don't feel I'm like... saying don't try to predict who's going to do well in the playoff or who's going to win the national championship. Look at the who they beat. Do you rather have most deserving over, over quote-unquote? Yeah, I, I do. I do. I think so I'm with deserving you is that. something Cause... that you can actually like put your fingers around. It's not as vague, nebulous. You want the games to matter more. I want it to be less totally subjective. I want it to be based on actual accomplishments on the field. And if yes, that sure. means that uh, Cincinnati, you know, gets the fourth seed, but they really maybe should have been the eighth seed, so be it. They they earned that based on what they actually did on the field. The other thing I would say is it, the composition of the committee makes absolutely no sense. There are some people in here, Chris All, the, the, the Hall of Fame coach in Nevada, should absolutely be on the selection committee. Um, Jim Grobe should be on the selection committee, but it's a bunch of ADs. Like, you know, I Mark Harlan, Mitch Barnhart, Boo Corrigan. Why, why, why do we have sitting ADs who have a full-time job that involves lots of things other than watching football, uh, pick these teams. And also why is everybody on this committee 55 or up? Um, you know, just looking at the pictures on this website, don't you think there should be some recent former players? I don't have a problem with, with what you're saying. I don't. Um, are you saying it's like this? <laughs> what you're saying sounds like it's almost like the, the, the reaction to the Ryan day. Where's Lou Holtz? Well, he's eating, you know, he's watching the golden girls right now and he's ready to go to take a nap. You know, like, is that what you're insinuating is that they're too old to, to, like yeah, I'm not a problem with their age. Not what I'm insinuating. I'm saying it's not diverse. It's a it's all of the same age group. It's one woman. Uh, you know, it's not. If the goal is to get lots of different kinds of opinions and different perspectives, is that it's the goal? Not really set up that way. Is that was that the goal though? I don't know if that. Was That's the what goal. they say. That's what you know. Every week, Boo Corrigan, like, well, the good news is we've got all these people and they've got different areas of expertise and they all come together and agree on something. Would you be fine with just 12 old football coaches? Hmm. No, I would not. Cause again, not? like that's not much of a diversity of opinion. Um, no, I, I I'm, ha I'm happy for there to be more coaches than there are. Cause it appears there's only one, two, two, two out of the, the 13 sport is football. football coaches. Why would you not want it to be that the one risk of having all football coaches or a, a lot of football coaches is they have their own biases because a lot of them are connected to people in the sport. Yeah. They may hate a certain, some, some coach teams coach. Right. But if you don't have football coaches, you might have people who don't know the sport as well. I think uh, well, a lot of the people on here who are not football coaches played football once upon a time. So it's not that they don't know football. I, I think all these people know football. Um, it's not rocket science. It's football. But it's all the same demographic. And also, where are the, like, some of these guys played football, right? But they played football in the 1970s. I mean, you and I could could sit here right now and rattle off 15 guys who, who, were, who played college football in the 2010s. They didn't go to the NFL or they're no longer in the NFL. And are, to me, would be the most savvy to what, who, to look at a tape and say, oh, yeah, this team's really good. Or this, this, this team has the best offensive line right now. Maybe I think I think what you would get with a lot of this is you would get oh Georgia's the best team still 
Um, why wouldn't you get that from the coaches? No, I'm saying I think you would get that. I, I think the more football people you will get, because I think you will get very similar to what you're saying between if you have, you know, the challenge that what you're talking about is if you have guys who just finished playing um, 10 years ago, they're, th- they're 30 years old. They have families and jobs. They don't need to be holed up in a, you know, like, are you paying them like this a real job? Well, the ADs are, you know, if you've ever been around a college AD, like they spend I, half I their it, week. They're also watching seeing other, softball games and volleyball games. But and it's also like a raising money sport yeah. into college athletics. These other people are not in are, I, the way you're describing it are less invested. You know, they're not working for college programs already, probably. Yeah. And then the other thing is, I thought they should as I've always thought they should have one person who's like a Bill Connolly, who's somebody who understands advanced stats and isn't beholden to the way, you know, what is the, the way advanced stats to, to, to determine this? Why do you, why are you so in favor of that? Why do you, what kind of, because I think it's more reflective of how, how people evaluate teams these days. Like, you know, what drives me crazy is whenever you hear somebody say this team averages 400 yards a game. That doesn't, that doesn't, who cares? Like they, you don't know if that's 400 yards a game because they're exceptionally good offense or because their defense is so good that they got them the ball back. Use yards per play. Use Here's points per drive. Here's the problem with what you just said, Stu, though. I don't think anybody who watches Notre Dame thinks their offense was very good. They're number 10 in the country in yards per play. Yeah, that's a, that's a. You know why? Because there's a lot point. of empty calories to those stats when you look. Again, I don't, I don't want to make you know, our Notre Dame fans vomit right now, but like Notre Dame yards per play averaged almost nine yards per play against central Michigan averaged almost nine yards per play against Tennessee state. Average. They would have that data. They could say, but how many yards per play did they average against top 25 teams? It's not I, again, hard I to think, find that data. I think the problem with that is you go down these little rabbit holes like this. And I think you end up twisting yourself in knots. Well, at the end of the day, I don't even think you need all that data. Again, I think you. That's need- why I'm saying I don't think you want that on the committee. So, so you want 13, 13 angry old men? You want like? We, I don't care we- that they're angry. Remember, I, remember a few years ago, Chantel Jennings did a really funny story where she went to like Myrtle Beach, where Ralph Regan and Bobby, all these old coaches, like sit around at a, co- a, a, a breakfast place every week. It's the the old. I forget what they called it exactly. It was you want? Let's just have them be the committee. If they were invested enough to have the time to watch everything, I would be fine with that. Ted Sebastianelli, Penn State guy, Sue and Brewster show is the best. Guys, in next year's playoff, will there or should there be a mechanism to adjust first round matchups to eliminate rematches? For example, this year would have Ole Miss at Georgia and Penn State at Ohio State matched in the first round, both of which were played earlier this season. Wouldn't such an adjustment make for a better, more interesting competition overall? Um, I think college football fans are like allergic to rematches and um, and they're going to be unavoidable in this, in this world. Like we are moving to an, this is what so many people wanted for so long an NFL style playoff. Well, in the NFL playoffs teams, I can remember a few years ago, there were two where like the teams had just played the week before and they played again into the playoffs and everybody just accepts that that's normal. So what he's suggesting is, is, is less, about like seeding the field than like if you were creating a bowl matchup and you wanted it to be more interesting than a different bowl matchup. I don't know. What do you think? 
I don't, uh, yeah, I think these are going to be inevitable right now. Like you, you could have the Michigan Ohio state game back to back, you know, it's just, and that one can be, a, but that one's about like, should they still play the game at the end of the season? If that's a possibility, right? He's saying you, you rank the teams and it turns out after you rank the teams, Oh gosh, we have, we have Ohio state seventh and Penn state 10th and their first game wasn't very interesting. Let's just move the number 10 just, team down a spot. You just say, yeah, but like, you know, five minutes ago, you just said, I don't want to hear about, like, you're already rejiggering things based on what the TV matchup looks like, whether you realize you just said that or not. I'm saying they shouldn't do that. Oh, okay. So I'm saying he's suggesting, and I understand, like, I wouldn't be excited if the bracket came up and it was Ole Miss, Georgia. That game wasn't competitive the first time, but he's suggesting we... If that's what the rankings say, that after that we should just yeah, I just manipulate them a little bit. I because I already feel like we have enough of manipulation going on. We that's don't. not to say they maybe they would do it and just not say that that's what they did, right? I'm like, sure they would probably do. But that. but I don't, you know, at the end of the day, and I've heard a lot of conspiracy. Like everybody's convinced that ESPN the fix was in. They wanted Alabama, and I just remind you, like we were just talking about some of the people who are on the committee. Uh, Kelly Whiteside doesn't make a single extra dollar if the TV ratings for the semifinal are a uh, 14.2 instead of a 13.2. Like, um, and it would be the same thing here. I mean, if it's the same composition and they're still unpaid volunteers, like they don't have really any, any incentive to to seed the teams in, in order of who would get the best TV ratings. All right. As always, send your questions to the audible pod at gmail.com and we will see you next time.